read Matthew chapter 21. I think I got all the announcements out. That was a little long. Okay. Everyone's like, thank God that's over. Most condemning announcements ever done. Oh, I got more. The week after Easter, I'm going to be in Northwest Indiana with uh, Daniel Adams. And it's going to be great. But I, I do want to give props to, I want to give props to Indiana because Indiana has been faithfully sowing financially, even many of them above and beyond the tithe, we were able to debut, or we're, we're almost done, auditorium number two. So we actually have a cafeteria there because there was a school extension that was built on, and we ripped out the ceiling and revealed this high-vaulted ceiling. We sprayed it white. It looks awesome. And so we have two auditoriums now because, if you haven't heard, Indiana's already over capacity. I also, yeah, come on, that's amazing. I also had the property owner of the adjacent property literally deed land to me. So we got land deeded to us, and we're talking about doing a complete parking lot renovation there. And here in uh, New York City, we have no parking lot. We don't need parking lots. Yeah, yeah. We got somebody just yell, we got sidewalks. So... But here in New York City, this is also another blessing I want to tell you guys because New York City venues are very expensive and very difficult to find. For those of you who are new here, this was a miracle. Do you guys remember when we were meeting Sunday nights on Stanhope? And you remember Master Splinter would come out after church and be like, what'd you learn today? You know, I'm telling you, man, I, 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 had, I get triggered thinking about going to my car. You remember that? So rat infested, God bless them. But we upgraded this venue. The way we got this venue is I told our director of operations, Heather, I said, Heather, just, I literally said, go to Williamsburg, start walking in this vicinity. And I gave her a couple block radius that the Holy Spirit told me and literally start knocking on all the doors and ask them who wants to host a church. That's how we found this venue. Then all of a sudden we came in, Heather asked the monarch guy, and he literally almost started crying and said, I just got off the phone with my mom and said, when is one of those churches going to ask me to use our space? We're sitting in a miracle. But look, it's second service, Pastor Eddie. We're all out of room here. But I got good news. They're going to do a renovation of this place and double the seating capacity real soon. <laughs> you like that? Hey, hey, hey. You know why I'm dancing? Because we were screwed. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't even have other language for that. I don't know if that was crude. We were screwed. Because once we, once we, I mean, we are now in the top 1% of size churches in New York City. You know, I don't know if you guys know that. So this is crazy. So the fact that they doubled the, the, the size of it, the, they're going to be doubling the size of this place. It's amazing. So the only thing is I'm trying to figure out who is in sin on Long Island that we have not found a venue yet. Which Aiken in the camp do I have to deal with over there? <laughs> okay, I just wanted to offend as many campuses as possible today. Because <laughs> we're looking for places on Long Island like crazy. So, and, and you know what? Shout out to Pastor Patrick and Natalie and the Long Island crew because... They're thriving. Did you guys know that we broke an attendance record last week? That shouldn't have happened. Who's to say we didn't break one this week? We haven't tallied yet. But um, I say that because when you go to our Long Island campus, you can't even walk through the lobby. There's chairs just completely filled the lobby. Isn't that amazing? Okay, let's read Matthew chapter 21. Just briefly throw something down for you here. Matthew chapter 21 says, I'm just going to read 
17 verses and just try to follow along, whether it's on your phone or it's on a physical Bible. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you, hey, what are you doing? You just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. Now, don't try this like Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) The Lord needs this car. But that's basically what they did. They just walked in, stole somebody's donkey. And so I was like, what are you doing? They're like, the Lord needs it. And it worked. And then he said, this took place to fulfill the prophecy. Take the people of Jerusalem. Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble. Everybody say humble. Humble. Riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and they threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd, everybody say most. Okay, so try to get a picture. There's a crowd now. Most of the crowd, they spread their garments on the road ahead of him. So Jesus is is actually coming down the Kidron Valley and he's headed towards Jerusalem. And the, and now as he's taking that journey, it's as most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others, everybody say others. So this means that this is total participation. They're either doing one or two of these things. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession. Where was Jesus? He was the center. Okay. Okay. Is Jesus at the center of your procession? Is your career at the center of the procession? Is your degree at the center of your procession? Is your marriage or your relationships, is your, ch- is your children at the center of your procession? Is your physical health at the center of your procession? What's the thing that God is causing you to change places and put him in the center of that procession? And then all of a sudden, these people... All around him start shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. What heaven? Okay, so there's different dimensions of heaven. Stay with me. The entire city of Jerusalem. How much of the city? Okay, that's, that's a big deal. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. And they say, who is this? And they asked, and the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all of the people buying and selling animals and for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, the scriptures declare my people or my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Jesus came in like a wrecking ball. Right? Straight up, whoop it. Another one of the translations says he fashioned a whip out of cords. That's my Jesus. Get him, Jesus. I would have been that disciple. He said, yo, mama, Jesus. <laughs> you know that person? Jesus, he said you won't. Can you imagine Jesus? 
checking you. He came in wrecking that place. I love Jesus, man. This is, I want to be that Jesus. Okay. And then, and then, but look at the next verse. So after he cleans house, miracles begin to happen. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Isn't it funny that the miracles happened after he actually cleaned the house of all the people with selfish ambition? Isn't it funny that the miracles did happen first, then he kicked out the money changers? He removed the people with selfish ambition, and then the miraculous happened? See, God will have a way of removing some people from his house that have selfish ambition, so then the real miraculous can happen. You know, there's some people who don't love Jesus for Jesus, but what Jesus does for them. There's some people who think it's easier to grow their Instagram by posting Jesus stuff than business stuff. There's some people that use Jesus to build their business instead of building Jesus' business with their business. Come on, somebody. There's some people that are still changing money inside the house of God. And God, and here's the good news for all those people blogging and all the heresy hunters. Here's the good news. You don't have to turn the money changers over, but if you'll lay down your coat and lay down your branches and keep worshiping Hosanna, Jesus himself will deal with them. You don't have to expose a pastor. Jesus will do it for you. Because you know, it wasn't the disciples that flipped the tables. It was Jesus. And so for those of you who've made a career on YouTube by flipping tables, let Jesus do the job and you turn into a worshiper. I feel sassy. This is crazy Theo, Mike. I like this new persona today. (laughs) I ain't got to be nobody's dad today. I'll be your uncle. I'll whoop you and go home. (laughs) come on now (laughs) i'm just having fun okay you and your religious spirits come on now you won't laugh in church but you'll laugh at Chappelle's new special get out of here with that come on somebody the blind and the lame came and (laughs) and he healed them (laughs) (laughs) the leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and they heard even the children in the temple shouting praise God for the son of David but the leaders were indignant and they asked Jesus do you hear what these children are saying and Jesus said yes I do haven't you ever read the scriptures (laughs) come on man this is come on Jesus Jesus woke up and chose violence. That's what he did. He woke up. He said, I've been waiting 4,000 years for this one. Jesus woke up and said, come on. I've been waiting since Adam for today. Can you imagine Jesus woke up? He said, oh, today's going to be the fun day. (laughs) This is how I read scripture. If it's through the spirit of revelation, you know, the Holy Spirit was there when it happened. So when you read the scripture, he'll recreate it for you. So then they asked Jesus, they said, do you hear what these children are saying? He said, yeah, don't you read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. And then he said, okay, I'm going to sleep. He clapped back at him and then said, I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> And so this is what happens in the 21st chapter of Matthew. And I just have a few quick revelations for you. And and then we're done. And then we're done. If you're reading out of the ESV or the NLT, 
the heading over the 21st chapter might be Jesus' triumphant entry. If you're reading out of the King James Version, it might be the King's entry. But see, I want you to pay attention to some details because when you look at the Bible with spiritual eyes, you see that there are dimensions to it. So let's start. All of a sudden, they're coming down into uh, the Kidron Valley, and they're going to come up into Jerusalem. And on that journey, some people, they say, with this man that's riding a donkey, he's the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the president of all presidents. This, this guy, now listen, they were living in a Roman-occupied world. They wanted to have a political figure that would overthrow the harsh brutality of a regime that had infiltrated every aspect of their life. First century Jews could not do anything without the Roman Empire intruding on it. Give Caesar what's Caesar's and give God what's God. So they had to find a way to stand up in a society that was not unadulterated Jewish. Almost sounds like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel living in Babylon, doesn't it? Oh, you know, see, if you guys go to church every week, you see I'm making you a Netflix special. And you're like, it's almost like the Bible connects. (laughs) Somebody's like, this is crazy. And if you missed last week, get caught up. Because now Jesus and his disciples are living in Rome. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were living in Babylon. Same demon, different dynasty. Same demon. Come on, somebody. It's a different president. Same principality. <laughs> Open your eyes. Herod was trying to kill babies when Jesus was in the womb. So you think you're fighting for a political right, but actually it's the same spirit of Molech that threw babies in the fire before it was Herod. And it's the same spirit today that's operating in the clinics and calling it care. Who are you caring for? And I know that's a brutal message, but it's the same spirit with the rebrand. The devil's like, hey, y'all, it's time for a new logo. They don't speak Hebrew anymore. They speak English now. Roll out the new logo. Give me a new color scheme. It's the same demon in different clothes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. You want me to give you the bad news before I give you the good news? You can't vote anybody in that can bring down a principality. (laughs) Sometimes... Concerning politics, I wonder if it's just a different wing of the same bird. <laughs> Nobody going to like me now. <laughs> Am I saying take your American flag from out your front door? No, I'm saying stop hiding your cross under the flag. Because the era that we're headed into, it's Christ first. It's him above every name. And see, what happens is when they're worshiping him, they're actually saying this phrase. They're saying, praise God in highest heaven. Why? Because there's an understanding that principalities and powers and rulers of the, come on, finish it. Principalities, powers, and rulers of the air. Where are these demonic entities? They're in the atmosphere above. Where are, that's where they are. Where are these angelic beings? They're in the atmosphere above here on planet earth. So there's dimensions up. Do you see it? If you want to transmit something through radio, is the antenna underground or is it up in the air? 
Are satellites underground or are they up in the air? Oh, come on. A cell phone tower. It is on a tower. It's up. Why? Because messages that get broadcast are broadcast from the heavens because that's always where the demonic realm has broadcast. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm not a conspiracy theorist because it's not a conspiracy. It's right here in the word. Where did Jesus get taken by the devil? Up. Oh, come on. Somebody's starting to get a revelation. Am I going too deep? Just pretend you understand. Just say amen if you don't even understand. The, so watch. Jesus takes the, or the devil is taken by Jesus to the height of the mountain. And he says, look, I can give you all this. The enemy is always in warfare over the heavens. He's in warfare over TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Netflix, cable television, AM, FM radio. There's a warfare that happens. Why? Because as those messages are transmitted, just like Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Herod, isn't it funny that when Herod was killing the firstborn, that message went out in mass to the whole audience. You see this? These are mass messaging. I don't know if you saw the movie come out in Jesus name. But when that, okay, so that is warfare over mass messaging. I was actually, I got chills all over me even saying this. I didn't say this in the previous services. God's favorites must be in this service. <laughs> Come on, now you like me. Man, you guys are easy. When you're right back, you guys are easy. Listen, though, listen, listen. So when we were in that movie, okay, before you guys, you remember the scene, if you saw the movie where the little kid goes, I break every curse over every, from every witch, every warlock, I renounce. I was actually in the tent when that kid said that prayer. Some of you guys were there too. And I remember every hair standing up, my beard hair, that's all I got left. And I remember, and my back hair. <laughs> but I remember... I remember that kid, and I remember, and I told Greg, I said, Greg, we have to do whatever it takes to get that prayer broadcast all over the world. Because, you know, what happens is when you're listening to secular music, it's broadcasting a curse over you. It's, it's a curse of sexual promiscuity. It's a curse of uh, drug abuse. And it's those words. It's just ritualistic. It's, so the way that curses work is they're much more powerful if you say them than if they're said over you. So why does the devil use lyrics? Because you, he'll get you to curse yourself. It's the most potent form of witchcraft is when you say the words. So that's me. So you, you're like, I know every word of the song. Da, 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 and the devil's laughing like, you're dumb. I got your great, 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 all the way back. They were doing it in Babylon. They were doing it in Jerusalem under Roman rule. They were saying the lyrics. They were repeating it. And so that's why I think it's, a, it's, it can watch, watch. I'm taking you somewhere. We're going real deep. The 21st chapter of Matthew, what did they all start singing? The same song over Jesus. Praise God, the son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus shows up, the crowd starts declaring a song. And when the devil shows up, the crowd also declares a song. Is this blowing anyone else's mind? And so this is what I've been trying to tie all together for you. I have one quick illustration and then I'm, I'm done because I want to show you the significance of a coat, the significance of a coat.
So the significance of the coat is this. I got this from Burlington. Y'all don't know about Burlington. Come on, if some of you, you need to get on that Burlington flow, make you look like you're a baller. This is Calvin Klein from Burlington. <laughs> you know, like when you, you, you get that name brand, but you're like, but from Burlington. <laughs> you know, this is how my wife got away with wrecking our bank account for, for years. She'd be like, I, I, it was from Burlington. <laughs> All the people overseas, if, if you don't know what Burlington is, get with the program. So I got this coat. Here's the thing. We are a post-industrial revolution era, which means that this was not made by hand. This was made by a machine. And the machine wove this together. Because of mass manufacturing, the cost goes down. Now, I got to rewind you back 2,000 years where this is pre-industrial revolution, which means that coats were made by hand. And they took a very long time to make. Are you with me? And you wouldn't have been able to afford, like, this is one of 20 coats I have. Anybody else have so many coats? Come on. You got a whole Burlington rack. <laughs> you got the whole rack. But so here's the thing about these coats. You accumulate these coats, and it, they diminish in value. But the thing you need to understand about coats is that coats in the first century were very valuable. And you would only have one. And the coat was something that wasn't... It, it wasn't like us, how we sometimes wear them. They always wore them because underneath their coat would be their underwear. Does that make sense? And so then it would show off their identity. It would show off their personality. Remember, Joseph had a coat of many colors. Why was that coat special? Because that coat was an indicator of the significance of his identity. It was a prophetic symbol. Your coat is not like your brother's coats. Remember, that's why that coat, they, every time they would see the coat, the coat was a reminder of the calling. You see that? So the thing I'm trying to help you understand is that Joseph was asked, Eddie, to give up his coat for the calling when he got thrown into a well. And then thousands of years later, the same thing happens. But now it's not one Joseph, it's many Josephs. And they're all giving up their coat for their calling. See how the Bible echoes? See how the Bible echoes the things of God? They happen over and over and over again. Like there was an Elijah then, and there's an Elijah listening to me right now. There was a Moses then, and there's a Moses listening to me right now. There was a Deborah then, and there's some Deborahs rising right now. There, see, the Bible is not the story of what happened. It's not a history. It's your story being repeated through your life if you'll yield. It's a story of what always happens. God won then. He about to win again. <laughs> God showed himself faithful then. He's going to show himself faithful again. It's a pattern. That's why I love reading the Bible. I'm taking my daughters through the whole Bible. We only made it through three chapters in one week because they wouldn't stop asking me questions. It was so rich. And I would challenge you. The Bible is so good. I'm showing you the connections because now you got coats. Coats represent identity, significance. Here's what they do. They, they take their coat and they see Jesus coming and something spontaneous that had never happened before in their lifetime was triggered in them. It was a form of worship, watch, watch, that they didn't learn in the temple. 
It was a form of worship that they didn't learn in the temple, but it made sense in the streets. How many of you know it's possible to go to most churches in America and not find Jesus in those churches? You'll find a good sermon. You'll find a powerful worship experience. You'll find great coffee, but you don't always find Christ. I find it interesting that even when people are doing money changing in the temple, the real Jesus is still somewhere in the wild being worshiped extravagantly because these people took their coats and this is what they did with their coats. And they laid their coats down. Their coats represent their identity, their significance. It's, it represents their comfort. Now they're exposing a form of their nakedness. They're not completely naked, but now they're in those inner garments, which would be a place of vulnerability. How many of you know, if you've spent years, I don't want you to miss this because I'm almost done. If you spent years and years and years always going to alcohol when you're upset, and then you lay down that coat and you say, God, I'm going to learn how to get through these feelings without medication this time. You're going to feel naked and vulnerable before the Lord. How many of you know if every single time you feel stress, you vape? Every time you feel stress, you smoke? When you lay that coat down, you're going to say, God, here I am, vulnerable in my underwear. I don't know how to do life like this. If every single time you experience anger, you punch the wall, you slam the door, you yell real loud, and then you say, God, I'm taking that garment off, I'm laying it down to you, and you breathe through that moment, and you say, God, I've given it all to you. You're going to feel the nakedness of laying down your coat, but let me tell you the secret. And I waited the whole sermon to say this. This is what I got, and the Holy Spirit was speaking this to me somewhere around 2 and 3 in the morning, and I want to say it just like this. The secret is your weakness. The secret is your weakness. Hear me, spiritual ears. The secret is your weakness. When you are weak, then you are strong. Here's what I'm afraid of in this hour, that people are watching come out in Jesus' name. And they're saying, how do I do the force push Jedi move that I saw Pagani do where her hair blew back and he didn't even touch her hair? <laughs> Come on, you saw that scene. And they put that bass drop and it went, <laughs> you know, ah! and then Daniel Adams goes, you know, and the person flies to the ground. And everybody's like, I want the power. You see me on the stage. I scream a one liner. Everybody in theater. Yeah, that's my, that's crazy Theo. Here's what I want to tell you. The secret is your weakness. You want to be a demon slayer? It's not memorizing warfare prayers. They, matter of fact, unless you become weak, naked and vulnerable before the king, when you try those warfare prayers that you read in the John Eckhart book, those demons are going to say, we don't listen to you because you're running on your power because you've never operated out of your weakness. See, the sons of Sceva, they thought the power was in the words, but the power was in the weakness. <laughs> You're not understanding. It was Peter 
who said, that little girl scared me so much. I ran away when she asked me if I was a disciple. God, I'm such a failure. Jesus even told me I was going to deny him. Jesus even told me I was going to do it. He warned me, and I still failed. And when he was his weakest, the Holy Spirit said, Peter, I'm filling you with my Holy Spirit. And when he was weak, Then he was strong and Peter got up at Pentecost full with the Holy Ghost and he preached the very first sermon with the Holy Spirit on the inside, not on the outside. And the Bible says thousands were saved. But when he was weak, the secret is your weakness. It's when you say, God, the doctors have no answer. I'm all out of answers, God. I'm coming to you weak. The supplements don't work. The workout regimen didn't work. The fasting didn't work. God, I'm at my weakest. It's when you say, God, these kids are driving me crazy. I remember there was a day where my mom got all five of us kids up. She said, you guys got to get up. I said, there's no school today, mom. It's a Saturday. She said, you got to get out of the bed. And my mom, she got all of us dressed. Single mom, five kids, welfare. And I remember we were all standing in our coats. And I remember my mom got down. She started crying. She says, look at me, kids. I'm giving you away today because I don't know what else to do. I'm a bad mom. I'm giving you away today. And we all started to cry. This is Mama Moses. She said, I can't do it. I failed. I'm a bad mom. I don't know what to do anymore. Me and my brothers and sisters all in our winter coats standing in that living room in Hammond, Indiana. And she, and she said, I'm giving you up today. I'm going to take you and give you up. That was, it didn't, She just didn't know what else to do. But watch. When you are weak, then you are strong. The secret is your weakness. My mom was at the lowest of low, was going to give her kids away because she didn't know what else to do. And then she paused, and just that same Holy Ghost that came into Peter, that same Holy Ghost began to fill my mom. Something began to well up on the inside of her, and she started to get a vision. Wait a second. What was I thinking? There's there's another way. I can yield. She said, take off your coats, guys. And my mom began to cry. She put us on the couch. She got out the Bible. And she began to teach us the word of God. And she said, the Lord has given me arrows in my quiver. And my enemies should have been forewarned when they meet me at the gate. Because I'm bringing my arrows and putting them into the the bow. All these years later, there's her son. When I don't know what to do, I sit down Bella and I sit down Everly. And we bring out the word of God. And we begin to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. You want to know how I became a demon slayer? It wasn't from learning warfare prayers. It was from laying my coat down for that donkey colt. And Jesus trampled my coat. Anything that I thought was identity, my college degrees, my my keto diet, praise God. (laughs) Trample my coat, Jesus. Come and walk upon my coat, God. And then I want you to think about these branches. What are these branches? Every single one of these branches were alive before they were cut down. This thing had to die before it became worship. It said in others, they went and they cut down that branch. 
And as they cut that branch down, it says they laid it down. So there's trampled coats and broken branches, trampled coats and broken branches. And I hear the Lord asking somebody, will you break your branch? Can I trample your coat? I know that your, tr- your coat, see, this is what I'm, I'm trying to help you understand. I know that you've worn that coat for so long. I know that coat of LGBTQ plus IA. I know that coat of transgender. I know that quote of religious ideologies. I know that coat of intellectualism. I know that coat of a- athleticism. I know that coat of financial gain. I know that coat of entrepreneurship. But can I trample your coat? Will you cut your branches? Will you cut those branches? Will you lay it all down? Because I want all of it. Now watch. The kingdom is upside down. The way up is down. What's the way up? So watch this. Where did they put their coat? Up or down? Where did they put their branches? Up or down? Now watch. Jesus riding on that donkey steps upon it. And now he is Lord over their life. Do you see that? Lord over their sexuality. Lord over their finances. Lord, he is Lord over it, but he only becomes Lord over what you lay down. All of it. Rampant heterosexuality. Lay it all down so that he becomes Lord over it. And you're going to feel so weak. There's always a moment of resistance. Do you know what I'm talking about, Chris? Where you want to give in so badly. And you're like, God, I'm at my weakest. Why am I giving myself to this thing that's destroying me? But then this moment happens when you finally lay it down. Do you remember that moment? And when you you finally lay it down, then the Lord says, because you finally laid it down, now watch me be Lord over all. Come on, take this palm in your hand. We started and I said, we're going to symbolically hold this. It's a broken branch. What this represents is I choose to break this branch, to cut it off and to lay it down. Whatever that thing is, whatever you're holding on to as a form of worship. For some of you, this might be a relationship and you're like, I've been holding out for this relationship, but I'm going to lay it down, God. For some of you, this might represent the career, God, whatever you say. You know what's funny? because there's this big sign here in New York City be, behind all of us that says coat, and it's glowing white. It's just this big white glowing sign that says coat, and I've been looking at it the whole time today. And isn't it funny how like when there's concerts in this place, you have to actually check your coat to go to the concert. I believe the Lord's asking you, check your coat to walk into your calling. Check your coat, take that thing off. Take it off. I, I hear the Lord asking somebody, you've been wearing that coat of church hurt for too long. Take that coat off. That's not your identity anymore. You know, 
I take great satisfaction in knowing that Jesus was, was the one that turned the tables over. I hear the Lord saying, if you stop trying to turn tables over, I'll do it for you. It's not the absence of vengeance, but the Bible says vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Lay it down. So would you all stand to your feet with me? This has probably been one of the most ruthless series I've ever preached in my life. But I do it out of a great love and compassion for every single one of you. Because the last thing I want to say, and I'm going to ask you to do something with these palms across every campus, is you see in Belshazzar's kingdom, he said, take those cups from the temple in Jerusalem, bring them to us, and we will drink, and we will sleep with each other, and fulfill our fantasies. And while Belshazzar was drinking out of the sacred cups from the temple of Jerusalem, the armies were surrounding him and they were going to come in and completely destroy his Babylonian society because he put his faith in the wrong thing and he mixed the secular with the sacred. Then all of a sudden Jesus shows up and they're mixing the money changing with the sacred and Jesus is saying, be pure, be holy, come out from among them, be separate. So the thing that I want to ask you as we come to a close right now, and I'm going to pray over each and every one of you. Can you just show me your palm leaf? Yeah, there you go. I just want to make sure everybody's got one. There's a pile up here. And what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to actually sing the words Hosanna. But what Hosanna means is God deliver me now. Deliver me in every direction. Deliver me from my past Deliver me from my present. Deliver me in my future. You're saying, Yashana, God, I'm laying down my coat. I'm laying down my identity. Some of you, your identity has been the skeptic. Oh, nobody fools me. Nobody gets over me. And the Lord says, that's pride. Take that coat off. Humble yourself and believe in me. Whatever it is. So right now, on the count of three, as the Holy Spirit's prompting you, as a prophetic symbol at every campus, I want to give you an opportunity to come to the front altar and simply lay down your palm. And you're going to say, Jesus, I release this thing to you, and I want you to be Lord over everything in my life. Whatever that thing is, complete and total surrender, because when you release it, He gives you back the resurrected version, the pure and holy version of that which you laid down. He gives you redeemed sexuality, redeemed entrepreneurship, redeemed leadership, redeemed family, redeemed sexuality. He gives it back pure and holy and acceptable. One, let the Holy Spirit begin to bring to your mind right now all things that He's asking of you. Two, this is the time where you say, God, you've got all of me, no holding back. Three, come now. Come now, I'm gonna go first. We lay it down, Jesus. We lay it down, Jesus. Hosanna!